inventory. It doesn't sound like a super interesting topic, but it is critical to knowing how well the economy is doing. And we've got the man that's going to help us understand what the recent results for the United States mean about the direction of the economy. Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Investments. My name is Emil Kalinowski. This show is called Eurodollar University. And Jeff, you wrote two articles that we're going to go over. The first one is called FOMC goes with unemployment rate, while this huge number happens to be far more relevant economic data. And I already spoiled it. Of course, it's inventory. We're not going to talk about the inventory numbers that were just released. We're going to go back in time a little bit to 2018 when you first came up with a phrase, the landmine, having to do with retail sales and inventory. Tell us about that time. Yes, it was November and December of 2018. Markets were going haywire. Bond yields were plunging despite the fact that the Federal Reserve would do one final rate hike in December of 2018. Nothing really seemed to make sense. I mean, oil was crashing, uh, all sorts of uh, you know economic indications around the rest of the world. We had weak data. We had this growth scare. We had all of these things going on. And then for Christmas of 2018, the December retail sales report, which came out in January and then were revised in February, showed that it was essentially a wipeout. The Christmas, the, the capstone, December retail sales for the Christmas shopping season turned out to be as bad as it was in December of 2007. So and here we are in 2018, we're comparing Christmas shopping retail sales, a very huge component of, the, of especially the U.S. economy, and it's more 2007 than something like inflation or that would justify rate hikes. And it seemed, to, you know, it made perfect sense when you realize what the market was trying to tell you in real time. Bond yields were falling, curves had already collapsed and they were flattened, but then they started falling, which suggested that some kind of explosion happened in the real economy. Even though we couldn't see it in real time, it, in, the, in terms of uh, economic data, we couldn't, the market was telling us from, from the inside that something was going very wrong here. And of course, it sound, it, to me, it's like the economy struck a landmine. And so when the retail sales report came out in, Feb, in January, and then February, it simply confirmed what we were already seeing in the markets as it happened, as it unfolded. So the, the, the market said the economy struck a landmine. It wasn't just the U.S., but around the world, but the U.S. in particular, retail sales, we struck a landmine and things were going. It was no longer growth, no longer inflation. We were definitely moving into a downturn and then eventually recession. You mentioned December 2007. And so that was when we were heading into a very ugly time. Was December 2008 much worse in December 2009? Just so I can kind of gauge how bad the December 2018 retail sales numbers were. And of course, the context, Jeff, is that we were being told this was a booming economy. So retailers were being yeah. informed by the economists, by the central bankers, booming economy, recovery, globally synchronized growth, therefore purchase a lot of goods, build up your inventory because you're going to clear it all out. So we'll get to the inventory consequences after the poor retail sales numbers. But how did it compare to 2008 and 2009? Well, 2008 is in 2009 were much, much worse because they were the depths of the Great Recession. So but even the comparison to 2007 should have rang all sorts of alarm bells because December 2007, according to the MBER, was the first month of what would become the Great Recession. So even though it wasn't the worst part of it, you're right, Emil. 
Remember 2018. Boom! Lowest in, you know unemployment rate sinking. The labor market's on fire. It's gonna it's on fire so much that Jay Powell needs to be hawkishly aggressive with rate hikes to cool it off. It was overheating. And you know, the way the business works, businesses, retailers, wholesalers, the whole supply chain, they order goods based on what they expect the future to be like. And if they expect the future to be like what all the economists were saying in 2018, that it was going to be massive boom, recovery, growth, inflation, all these positive things, they were going to order future inventory, order the future stream of goods based on those projections and forecasts, which they did. So it was a complete surprise that all of a sudden weakness at the end of 2018 when it was supposed to be the opposite. Again, Jay Powell, the FOMC, their last rate hike was in the middle of December 2018, even though the markets, especially fixed income markets, were already moving in the opposite way. We told you, we've talked about Eurodollar futures that inverted in June. They went mega inverted in November and December 2018. So the market in the real time was telling us the economy was already falling off. And then the data comes later and says, yep, that actually happened. Okay, so in this article, which I didn't tell people, by the way, where they can find it, it's at the Alhambra Investments website, and it was posted on the 26th of January, 2022. You've got a graph right in there that shows what the inventory consequences were month over month. A surge, and not just any surge in December, 2018, but the largest one on record. This graph goes all the way back to 2010, but the data goes all the way back in reality to 1992, which you didn't show. And so that was the largest surge on record. Jeff, could we perhaps dismiss it because the month before November was really bad or no, this was enough of a warning that something was wrong. Yeah, the month before, in terms of retailer in inventories, they actually declined, which maybe suggested some snafus or some some kind of technical break. But the fact that we had record increase in inventory suggested, as we just said, sales did not meet expectations. Retailers were expecting sales to be like Jay Powell was saying, recovery, low, labor market on fire, all of these things. And then retail sales in Christmas of, of 2018 did not come anywhere close to what, what everybody was expecting, which left retailers, wholesalers, as well as manufacturers with a whole lot of inventory they hadn't sold, which means classic inventory cycle. They started to join the rest of the world, which had already turned into a downturn beforehand, where the U.S. goods economy, once you have inventory build up, you start to order fewer goods moving forward, which means fewer production lower production levels, then eventually that gets into the labor market and the whole thing just starts to slow down. And eventually, if it doesn't stop slowing down, you get into a recession. So we can really mark the beginning of what became 2019's weakness, you know, globally synchronized downturn and maybe globally synchronized recession pre-COVID. It really started in earnest in the United States with that huge inventory number, December of 2018. We've got another huge inventory number that came out just right now. But Jeff, you've been telling us, you've been warning us since early autumn 2021 to be on the lookout for something like this, something concerning. Now, this situation is different, right? Now we've got a surge in goods, but maybe there's still going to be a backlog, a buildup in inventory if that surge in goods doesn't continue, right? If the economy doesn't recover, if retailers are being told, hey, everything's okay, we're reopening, don't worry, the economy's back on track, maybe they're going to commit the same mistake of listening to the economic leaders and order too much goods. But 
Here's a question for you, Jeff. I was on the George Gammon show and we were talking about empty retailer shelves. So is it that we don't have these goods or that they're stuck somewhere? Wholesale inventories, perhaps. The goods have been made. It's just that it's very difficult. It's more difficult than it's ever been to get them where they need to be. So it's not like the goods are in short supply. The goods are seem to be in short supply at the end, at the end of the supply chain, which is at the retailer shelves. And you're right. I mean, this year is a bit different than it was in 2018, where goods spending is at historic high. So Americans have bought a tons and tons, record amounts of goods throughout last year because of Uncle Sam and the uh, various other means that have been given to them that had nothing to do with the economy or, or the labor market, simply just pandemic relief of all sorts. So Americans have had money to spend on goods, which they did at a time when the ability to ship and deliver goods has been harmed and has been held back by various non-economic means also related to the pandemic as well as some other factors. So what happened in terms of the supply chain was in order to get make sure that goods were going to arrive, some of the big retailers as well as some of the medium and smaller retailers decided we're just going to start ordering as much as we possibly can and just hope something makes it through the supply chain. And that sort of a retailer inventory supply chain panic reached its, its zenith around October because everybody wanted to make sure, continue to be this historic level of buying, they wanted to make sure they had the stuff available for the Christmas season. And so it really reached a fever pitch around October where retailers and wholesalers were double and triple and maybe quadruple ordering, which of course made the supply chain problems that much worse because you're trying to stuff all of these goods into it when it was already having problems to begin with. And so eventually, though, the downside of this is, number one, eventually those goods are going to start being delivered. The supply chains are going to be worked out, maybe not completely the way they were before the pandemic hit, but they're going to start to ease up a little bit and the goods are going to start to flow in a much, much, much more robust fashion. And then the other X factor is as high as retail sales, as high as consumer spending on goods has been, there's always the danger that economists were wrong and that the uh, interventions and the stimulus, quote unquote, last year doesn't actually stimulate outside of the short run. And so even if sales continue to be high, but they begin to slack off and slow down, what does that do to all of these goods or to retailers and wholesalers who have already ordered all of these goods, anticipating, as economists have told them to, this inflationary inferno level of consumer demand? And so that was, you know supply chain works out, all the goods that were ordered start to be delivered at the same time, maybe that demand doesn't stay up as high or as good as, as it had been when the uh, government's helicopters were at their busiest. Several months ago, the Census Bureau showed us that wholesale inventory during October 2021 had increased by the most on record month over month for that series. You tell us that, Jeff. Then, just right now, we get the latest update for December both retail and wholesale, and this is preliminary estimates, Jeff, so tell us if we should also buy into this data or if it's going to be revised completely soon. But on the wholesale level, inventories just surged again, rising 2% month over month, the third largest monthly jump on record, as you point out, two of the three biggest ever in the final months of 2021, which brings us to retail inventories, Jeff how did they do 
especially relative to December 2018, which again, dear audience, we pointed out was the highest on record and a warning that something was wrong with sales and the broader economy. Yeah, again, the data shows that the whole rhetoric, you know, the social media memes about empty shelves has it kind of, the interpretation of it is wrong. It's the idea that there aren't goods available. They are available and they're there. And in fact, the inventory data is showing that they're starting to arrive, at least in the country, at least on certain levels of the supply chain. And as you just pointed out, Emil, the wholesalers in October, we had the highest inventory increase on record. Then November was still a high amount. And then December was the third highest on record. So wholesalers got a whole bunch of goods. And then the retailers, retail inventory has been rising too. But in December, it shattered the previous record in December 2018. In fact, it was more than double the rate of increase. I mean, it doesn't even fit in the series. It, it's, it's so so much inventory arrived in December at the retail end of the supply chain. It doesn't fit on any chart. It looks absolutely ridiculous and absurd. It was that much inventory that showed up. You call it an astonishing 3.6% when compared to November. If we exclude motor vehicles and parts, if we do include them, then inventory surged more by 4.4%. And we're looking at that graph, and indeed it is just on a completely other level. Yeah, just, Emil, just to reiterate, those are month-over-month month numbers, not annual numbers. I mean, a 4% increase in, in inventory would be, in any given year, as a 12-month as a change, would be relatively okay. But 4% in a single month is an enormous. That's an absolute huge amount. And let's not forget... The Census Bureau, like in 2018, had already told us last month, or earlier this month, excuse me, that retail sales in December were actually lower than they were in November on a seasonally adjusted basis, which means in some respect, even though they still remained at a high level, they're at a less high level than they had been during the 2021 prior, which means both of those things that we told, those factors we just talked about are in play here, that there's a softening, even though retail sales and spending is still high, it's starting to decelerate and soften at the same time as inventory is starting to show up in huge, massive amounts. Three quick points. First, does it matter that you exclude motor vehicles and parts? Is that important? Tell us why. Number two, you know, I wonder if in a few years we'll have revisions to these retail sales. And forgive me for being pessimistic, but they always come in lower. So I wonder if it'll actually turn out to be a, a worse result when it comes to inventories. And of course, three, I've already forgotten. So you can come up with a third question I would pose to you. But those two quick questions, Jeff, does it matter motor vehicles? And should we be on the lookout in a couple of years for downward revisions to retail sales? Well, let's say number two first. Yes, I think we see this every single cycle. When we get into the downturn under the cycle, the benchmark revisions in a couple of years are always significantly substantially to the downside. So we always have to keep that in mind is... Whatever the data is today, you know, just mark off a little bit in your head because it's probably a little bit worse, maybe even substantially worse. Uh, but we won't we won't get confirmation of that for a couple of years down the road. By then, everybody's forgotten. But as far as motor vehicles, that was the one part of the retail segment that had you know empty dealer lots were actually because there was no product available, chip shortages, whatever you know, plant shutdowns, labor problems, any excuses that have been made last year. Whatever the, the reasons and the combination of reasons, there actually were not a lot of, of new vehicles to be had, which is one reason why used car prices, for example, went through the roof, because there was a high demand for cars, especially with the government handing out free money, that could not be met by the manufacturer and production of new vehicles. 
So, but when you look at the inventory overall, it is skewed because automobile inventories are at historic lows. So outside of automobile inventories, inventories, non-motor vehicles are at historic highs. So there's this misimpression there when you look at just the aggregate inventory total, but that is starting to reverse too. And that's one of the, that's why I pointed that out for December. Some of that motor vehicle inventory is starting to finally arrive and not just retailers, but also wholesalers too. So we have cars starting to show up on dealer lots as well. People may say, they may quibble. They may say, Jeff, you're exaggerating. And there might be two reasons. They'll say, look at how well GDP did in the United States. We just got that report. It looks like the economy is doing fine, Jeff. But the other item they might say is, well, this December stuff, it has to do with Christmas. Isn't it supposed to be a lot of buildup of inventory? But these numbers are seasonally adjusted, aren't they, Jeff? So I think, are we looking apples to apples? And shouldn't we expect inventories to get really torn down and used up during December when everything is sold? Tell me if, if I'm thinking of that correctly, and then we'll move on to GDP. No, you got it exactly right, that inventories are not supposed to pile up, and they're certainly not supposed to pile up in historic fashion. Again, that was the lesson of 2018, which was the, essentially the start of what became the U.S. joining the rest of the world in this, uh, first of all, a manufacturing recession before an overall economic recession. And now we have inventory that's piled up in, at a rate that's literally indescribable on the retail level, as well as historic fashion on the wholesale level, which suggests, no, that something went wrong last year. Again, even though spending on goods is high, spending on services is not. So overall consumer spending is kind of decelerating, which we did see in the GDP numbers too, which was, I think, as as you're about to transition to, almost the upside surprise in GDP was all inventory. It was entirely inventory. It was inventory shot through. All right. Well, you've spoiled it, Jeff. I had this whole line about how (laughs) we're coming in at 6.7% quarter over quarter on a seasonally annualized adjusted rate and that people were expecting 5.5% and that the Biden administration was going to announce mission accomplished and economy recovered. And Jeff is wrong worrying about inventory. (sighs) But... There's different parts of how you calculate GDP, and inventory is one of those. And if you get a lot of inventory, that sounds like a good thing, maybe kind of, on the assumption it's all going to be sold. But as you point out in this article that is titled, Heightened Conflict of Interest Rates, when GDP's almost all inventory posted on the 27th of January 2022 at Alhambra Investments, you point out to us, Jeff, as you just said, the GDP surge, how much of it came courtesy of the inventory build. Well, first of all, in GDP, like retail, the Census Bureau for retail inventory, it was a record amount. So inventories piled up at a record pace in the GDP figures for the entire quarter of the last four, the entire last quarter of 2018, uh, 20, I almost said 2018, the entire last quarter of 2021. So we had a massive inventory build that contributed 4.9 points out of the 6.7 increase. 4.9 points out of the 6.7 quarterly gain in GDP was entirely due to inventory. And it wasn't just last quarter either. It was actually the final two quarters of last year where inventory contributed substantial amounts. And if you take away that inventory change, what you see is that the last two quarters of last year in terms of overall activity, aside from building inventory, was actually significantly substantially weak. Uh, Real final sales, which is a measure of actual spending activity of consumers and businesses, 
they were bad numbers in both the second, the third quarter and the fourth quarter. In fact, real final sales, the original estimate was slightly negative for the third quarter. It was, it's been revised to slightly positive. And then even in the, in the fourth quarter, which is supposed to be this massive rebound from the Delta problem in, in the third quarter, final sales were only up 1.7% at an annualized rate, seasonally adjusted annualized rate. So it wasn't much of a rebound either. And then there were other parts of the GDP report that also suggest the entire second half of last year was a material slowdown across the board, including, importantly, CapEx spending. You know, what is it called? Uh, real private non-residential fixed investment. Uh, again, same as final sales, two week quarters in a row. So if you subtract, if you take out inventory, the economy didn't do all that great over the second half of the year. And so the question is, what does inventory actually represent? Is it companies restocking for 2022 going to be as awesome as Jay Powell thinks? Or is it going to be like 2018 again, where companies are going to be looking at all their stuff in horror and thinking, we got to cut back on our ordering. We got to cut back on what we're demanding because the sales aren't going to be there. For our audience that's watching this right now, they've seen the two graphs that you mentioned, the real final sales and the capital investment, the non-residential fixed investment. You've got the graphs that go back to 2013 that show the seasonally adjusted annualized rate increases. And you've circled these last two quarters, Jeff, and they're pretty bad compared to everything we've experienced since 2013. Not the worst, but definitely below average and pretty below average, I would say. So this is, and two in a row too. It's not like one quarter and then you're off to the races again. It's two in a row. It's uns. Well, I think that's the most important point here, right? Because everybody said the soft patch in the third quarter, that was Delta. You know, we got interrupted by this this massive pandemic variant that we weren't expecting and everybody shut down and blah, 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 whatever. And then we thought, well, the fourth quarter, things would just explode back to where they were, but they didn't. And as we've said many times that we didn't believe in the Delta story to begin with, yes, that caused some problems, but we thought there was underlying weakness there, which seems to have been confirmed, at least for the second quarter. It's two quarters in a row now where, you know, the economy has really kind of decelerated, which shouldn't be a surprise. And really, it goes back to the two quarters, the first two quarters of last year where the federal government was at its busiest. Of course, those are going to be the two quarters where you see GDP numbers as well as other numbers through the roof. It's what happens after that. Is the government able to influence the economy so favorably beyond the short run? Economists all believe that they can when history suggests that they can't. And so we're seeing more and more evidence of can't than can. We've just discussed rear-looking economic accounts, right? Reported a few months after the fact. Now we're going to look at some real-time data from the bond markets, tips, maybe even Bitcoin, that tell us what is what we should expect going forward. Because at the time that this was happening, even though we didn't have the data from the government yet, the bond markets had sniffed out what was happening in inventories and, and GDP. And they were warning us that there's something on the horizon that doesn't look too healthy, certainly not a recovery. So let's take a look at what bond markets are saying right now in part two of this episode. 